And we're live. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Wheelie Podcast. I'm your host, Micah Toll, and I'm joined again by Electric Seth Weintraub. How's it going, Seth? I'm good. Awesome. Seth's good. I'm good. And I hope you guys are good to hear a bunch of new, not just e-bike news. Uh, we've got several new e-bikes to talk about, but also we've got a crazy 50-mile-an-hour uh, electric kick scooter. We've got a 50 mile an hour electric jet ski and some other interesting small format electric vehicles to talk about this week. But uh, where are we going to start off this week, Seth? Let's start with the electric bike tax credit bill reintroduced, providing up to $1,500 off new e-bikes in the U.S. Awesome. So this is like a mixture of good news and bad news, but we'll start with the good news. Uh, first of all, the electric bike tax credit that was proposed, uh, I think like a year and a half ago originally, that didn't end up making it into law is now back. At least it's been reintroduced into Congress by uh, four different um, uh, representatives. And it's actually better than the last time we saw it. Before it failed to pass uh, last year, it had been whittled down to about, I think it was $900 credit. And it had uh, a number of stipulations now it's actually higher. It's back up to $1,500 where it originally started before being uh, whittled away, and it has fewer restrictions. Now, there are a few base restrictions. Um, it only covers, I think, 30% of the uh, e-bike purchase price, so it's up to $1,500. But if you get like you know a, a $2,000 e-bike, you're not getting that for 75% off. Um, and also it only covers e-bikes up to $8,000. I say only, that should you know cover just about every e-bike out there. Yeah, 8,000 um, is a pretty nice e-bike. Yeah, I think if you can buy an $8,000 e-bike, you're not worried about a tax credit kind of thing. So, um, but generally there are very few restrictions. There's a few income restrictions, but they're actually uh, fairly high. So this would apply to most Americans, and it would take a good chunk off of an e-bike price. For example, if you're looking at like a you know $1,500 e-bike, it drops down to $1,000, which might be the difference between like, eh, it would be nice, but I can't justify it. And all right, you know, I can drop a thousand if that means I'm going to leave my car in the garage and not pay for gas and not pay for parking and that sort of thing. I mean, I don't know about you, Seth, but I can see so many people making use of this. Yeah. I, you know, a lot of people actually, uh, when they ask for advice on e-bikes you know i'll give them an e-bike that they you know probably should get and they're like well i was kind of thinking more like a thousand bucks <laughs> which is yeah. you know inevitably the case and you know you, you recommend the the juiced or the rad or the uh, electric um and you know those are good bikes but uh you know they're not the uh the top top tier and maybe not best for everybody so uh, and if you if you think about it, like the difference between a thousand and a fifteen hundred dollar e-bike is a big difference in quality. You know, a thousand, it's like starting to be all right, well, but at fifteen hundred, it's you know a pretty good everyday e-bike. Yep. And so if this yep. could bring that down to that thousand dollar price point, that people start to say, yeah, I could do that. I mean, that that makes a huge difference. Yeah, and it's weird because uh, what you know, an e-bike is a lot more than a, a regular bike. You get you know, a lot of range, you get a lot of ease, you know, uphills faster, all the other stuff, but people still have like, Hey, a bike should cost a couple hundred bucks type of mindset. So this, this maybe eases them into e-bikes a little bit easier. Yeah. I mean, so theoretically it would ease them in, but this is where the bad news comes in because unfortunately I, I don't see this having a high chance of passing. It's been introduced into the house, which 
uh, as we all know, is right now has a Republican majority and the Republicans have not to get too political here. But if we look at the um, original e-bike credit that was created uh, a year and a half ago, it had like 20 or 30 signatories and they were all uh, Democratic uh, representatives. So it's it's unlikely that we're going to see any large support coming from the Republican caucus. And without it, I don't see this getting out of the House and then moving forward to become law. So while I think this is great, I, I'm going to urge people not to get too excited because I don't see this thing having legs, but perhaps it, it serves as the basis of a bill two years from now if there's a different makeup in the government. Yeah, don't don't delay your uh, e-bike purchases for this thing. Uh, and and if it does go through, it's probably it'll probably be retroactive at least for the year. So, um, it's it's interesting that uh, it, it's it's just an interesting thing that you know we've seen states do it, but you know the federal government can never seem to get you know all its all its uh, um, uh, sponsors lined up. Or something like this, even when you know the Democrats had all all the houses and they just never got this through. So it's kind of a shame. Yeah, it's amazing it didn't go the first time. I mean, I mean, I get that even within the Democratic Party, like not everyone was on the same page, but still, if there was ever a chance, it was you know a couple of years ago. Right, and I mean, when you think about all the uh, you know carbon you're taking off the road, all the uh, all the fun you're adding, like I think a lot of people would be pretty pretty pumped about this so yeah fingers crossed yeah fingers crossed fingers crossed all right acer yes the computer company is building a fancy electric bike with built-in ai yeah so this is called i believe it's pronounced the eb it's spelled e-b-i-i um and basically this is acer's first stab at an electric bike and i gotta say for a company that has no business building an e-bike it actually looks pretty good. I mean, it's a bit like sort of funky futuristic, um, got almost like a little bit of a, a Blade Runner look to it. But, um, you know, I, I think that I I would say that they actually did a pretty good job with this design. The specs, I mean, it, it seems like they're going for something that could be quasi-European legal, so the specs can't be too great. Um, you know, it's a small e-bike. It's got uh, like a 250-watt motor. Um, it's limited to either 32 kilometers an hour, which is 20 miles an hour in the US or 25 kilometers per hour, um, which is 15 miles an hour in Europe, which keeps it European legal. So, you know, this is not a powerhouse. Don't get you know too excited that this is going to be some big beefy e-bike. It's certainly not. It's a small um, sort of folding style, uh, maybe, you know, European style commuter bike. But I will say that it has some pretty cool tech built into it. In addition to, you know, all these e-bikes now have smartphone apps, but it's also got GPS tracking. So if someone ever, you know, steals your bike, which is a very big issue in cities, you can actually track it and figure out where it's gone. Uh, It's supposed to have uh, like traffic sensors or collision sensors. So I guess if a car is coming up behind you too quickly, you can have like a, you know, a second or two warning, like you better get out of the way kind of thing. Um, And I think it has crash sensors as well. So if there's been an impact It'll, um, you know, perhaps either alert someone like, you know, some phones are doing now, that sort of thing. So they've, they've stuffed in a bunch of technology here. And then the last sort of cool thing that we're starting to see a little bit more of is that the battery is also doubling as a uh, portable power station. It unfortunately does not have uh, like 110 or 220 AC power, but it does have 
uh, multiple UC uh, USB outlets. I think it has USB C as well, so it can charge up, you know, your your laptop, your tablet, your phone, that sort of thing, and you can use it that way as a, a sort of a portable power station. I would have loved to see it have an actual inverter to do AC power, so you can run more than just DC battery powered um, appliances. But I think this is still a, a good step in the right direction, and it moves past what we've seen with a lot of basic e-bike batteries, which is a small, like five watt USB-A port. So we're, we're moving in the right direction here, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, kind of came out of nowhere too. Uh, Acer didn't really um, hint that they were thinking about getting involved with this. Um, I do notice that like a lot of this is non-standard parts and stuff. Um, it looks like Schwalbe tires, uh, but otherwise like I've never seen any of this stuff before. Um, especially this, you know, bar that has everything. Um, so, you know, theoretically it won't be, you know, serviceable at a, at a bike shop. Um, it does remind me a little bit of the go cycle. Uh, maybe it's like the, um, the, the, the front arm. Fork. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the front motor, I feel like that was probably a starting point on this thing. Um, yeah, perhaps they it, looked at like a nicer bike like the Go Cycle. Yeah. Said, how can we do that a little cheaper? Right. But uh, I love to see it. And, you know, Acer with its, uh, you know, computer background uh, is going to put a lot of smarts in this. And that's super cool. Um, and, you know, they, they probably have some pretty good supply chain knowledge so they can, you know, make a ton of these for a very low price. So we love to see it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm curious what price they can do it for. We don't have any information yet on pricing, but you know, with their manufacturing chops, you'd think they would be able to pump these things out. Yeah. And uh, when are we expected to see these again? There's, there's no telling. Um, okay. In fact, I now see that the video that they had showing off the bike has been changed to private. So that's not a yeah. good sign for their no, you know, rollout of the product. Uh, maybe they just changed it or something. We'll have to take a look at that. But um, yeah, good to see it. Uh, hopefully it turns into something cool. All right, moving on. Um, <clears throat> oh, not too far from that. <clears throat> you can now run electric bicycles from power tool batteries. And this is something that we've like, you know, talked about a lot that wouldn't it be cool if the power tool batteries that you already have for, you know, like your DeWalt drill or something could power your e-bike. Well, we're actually getting pretty close to that depending if you have the right batteries and the right e-bike, uh, e because we're seeing two different companies here that have explored this very idea. So the first is Aventon that is teamed up with Works, and they've taken their Pace 350 e-bike, and Works has created an adapter where the Aventon battery normally goes. Now there's a plate that actually accepts two of Works' 20-volt, uh, 8-amp-hour batteries. And so it seems like it probably puts those batteries in series, which brings it up to 40 volts, which pretty much matches a 36 volt battery. They're both actually uh, the same number of cells in series. So companies sort of call them different voltages, but two of those works batteries in series is actually the identical voltage of a 36 volt e-bike battery. So it was kind of perfect for this partnership. And so if you've got uh, works tools that use these 24 or sorry, 20 volt batteries, you could just plug your batteries straight into this e-bike and be off. Now it's not as much capacity as the standard battery that comes with the Aventon 350. Um, I believe that one is 
uh, it's either 10 or 14 amp hours. So you're taking a capacity cut getting down to eight amp hours here. They say it's good for 28 miles. That's of course on pedal assist. So if you're doing the throttle, then I generally say cut your pedal assist range in half. So maybe you're talking 14, 15 miles on throttle only riding. But if you're just going around the city or your neighborhood, then this would be a cool way to share batteries. And, and that has a few implications. For one, the battery on an e-bike is the single most expensive component. So if you can buy an e-bike without a battery, you're already going to save several hundred dollars right there. Next, you're probably never going to be using your e-bike and your power tools at the same time. So it just makes sense that you would want to share Speak the battery. Speak for yourself. I, you, don't, you don't do the... Uh... The chainsaw and the uh, the e-bike at the same time. That's Seth's like weird. mobile repair service there. <laughs> you get the weed whacker and you're going down the driveway. It's a no? motorized okay. edger. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have the same driveway length, but uh, I want to see that one at some point. Right. So, yeah, I mean, if you can share between different tools and so you cut down on waste, you cut down on all of the carbon footprint that goes into battery production and you cut down on the cost. I mean, there's like a triple whammy right there, in my opinion. Yeah, and they build these things to be portable and and kind of, uh, you know, uh, you can use them with tons of different devices. I think Works has like an inverter, which we've talked about a lot that we'd love to see. Um, you know, maybe maybe this is the way to go. Don't buy, you know, a, a one-off battery. Just buy, you know, tons of these guys and, um, you know, use them in all your tools and your inverters and your bikes and um the fact that there's two of them and it's not super powerful is probably like the downside, but you know, without spoiling the next part, um, there's much bigger batteries that could be put on here. And I would even say that like works may have a, a, a good like product here that they don't need to just do to a, a vent in. they can make an adapter for just about any e-bike. Um, you know, like if they made one for rad or, juiced or any of the other big companies i think a lot of people would be super into that yeah the tricky thing is the voltage so it it kind of worked perfect here because the invention 350 is lower power and so they use a 36 volt system and that's why it's it's kind of perfect for 224 or 220 volt batteries but for example rad or most of the other companies and in fact most of Aventon's other bikes are all 48 volts and so i don't know of very many tool companies that have a battery that's either at 48 volts or half of that to run in series like this. So it's a little trickier with that voltage, unfortunately. Yeah. Greenworks has a 24 volt, um, which they could do in series. Um, they have a whole 24 volt line. <clears throat> so then and that then, could be perfect. Right. But um, they, but it seems like they want to do their own game. They right? have their which own is sort of the next yes. part of this. Cool. Let's get there. Yeah, so uh, props to Seth, actually, for finding this. I know we had been on the lookout for Greenworks to be coming out with an e-bike. They had announced at CES back in January that they were planning to move into e-bikes as well as other home products like um, vacuum cleaners and all sorts of interesting things that we didn't expect from like a you know chainsaw and lawnmower company. But um, we actually already see three different e-bike models on their website. They don't have prices yet. And in fact, some of the specs still have like X's in them. So it looks like perhaps these pages weren't even meant to be up yet or they're kind of placeholders, but it shows off three different Greenworks electric bikes that all are based around their 80 volt uh, battery architecture. So there's a fat tire bike, a commuter bike with more narrow street tires, 
in a sort of Super 73 style moped bike. Uh, they're all 750 watts. They're all 20 miles an hour. And most importantly, they all use Greenworks 80 volt um, tool batteries, or I guess the 80 volt line is really more for like their lawn mowers and, and lawn tractors and, and those sorts of bigger devices, right? Yeah, that's the, kind of their pro line. Um, I will say like, uh, you know, we've worked with Greenworks quite a bit. Um, they've been sponsors, but I also I have Greenworks stuff and, you know, the, they're not that the highest end of uh, of products out there. Um, I think probably half of my green work stuff has died already. <laughs> so oh, no. um, it's 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 not. Uh, they're they're you know they're they definitely get the the low prices, the the variety of products, but um, the the quality control and it's it's not actually the batteries that are the problem. It's the stuff around it. I imagine they probably uh, outsourced uh, some of this bike building stuff though. Um, you know, I, I you know, they probably OEM'd, uh, some bike designs. These look a little bit familiar already. Um, so what they basically did is put a holster for an 80 volt battery here. It's also interesting, uh, 80 volt, um, kind of equates to 72 volt. I think, you know, as you mentioned, um, so, but that's still a pretty high voltage for, uh, e-bikes. So theoretically, these could put out some very serious power. Yeah, and it means they probably had to have custom controllers or they were very limited in controller and motor choice because you know, that's exactly right. I mean, this is a much higher voltage than we're used to seeing on e-bikes. So you're talking, you know, that, that motor has to be wound to spin much slower because at 72 volts, any normal e-bike motor would be, you know, spinning like a dentist drill. Yeah, speaking of drills, uh, we've we've seen uh, not not only uh, DIY stuff like this. Uh, is that a Black and Decker drill? It looks know. like uh, it. Yeah, yeah, and uh, <laughs> some people doing some DIY stuff that uh, probably shouldn't recommend. Um, but uh, we've also seen uh, wasn't didn't Harley isn't Harley's best selling e bike a. Uh, a kid's bike that basically runs off of drill battery and, and drivetrain. Yeah, absolutely. That's the, um, I think it's called Stasic S T A C Y C. If I'm not mistaken, they bought the, um, those kids bounce bikes and the battery they use is basically like, you know, a DeWalt style battery that pops in. It looks just like a power tool battery. I'm not sure if it's from one of those OEMs or if they had their own made, I imagine they probably went to some company that builds drill batteries and just, you know, had them produce the same thing for them. So I wonder which tool it would be compatible with, but you know, it just pops in there exactly like it would on your power drill. Yeah. And why not? I mean, that's, that, these are all over the place. The one thing I don't like about um, just this, this business is that DeWalt and Greenworks and Ego and everybody else have their own battery standard. And even though they look exactly like, or very similar and even though they have the same voltage, they're not compatible, whether it's the case design or the BMS or whatever. And that's that's quite frustrating. I, I really wish there would be a, uh, a movement either from the government or an industry-wide to kind of consolidate around, you know, one battery for, you know, all these things. Obviously, you know, you have low power tools and high power tools and you can't have a battery that works with both of those different things or, you know, you have to have multiple but it would be nice if like, hey, there's just one 80 volt battery and there's just one 40 volt battery. Yeah, so. you're 
describing a utopia that I fear we'll never see. Right. Well, there's too much, there's too much, uh, like lock-in, you know, like for instance, I, I am a Greenworks person. I have tons of Greenworks stuff. And for me buying a Greenworks tool, I don't have to buy the battery, which is a huge part of the price. Cause I have a few green Greenworks batteries, but like maybe Greenworks isn't the best one for me. If I wanted to go to ego, my entry level price, I have to buy battery or batteries. So Greenworks knows they, they lock me in. If they make their batteries compatible with other companies, then it's just easy for me to jump around. Yeah, yeah, and I, I hear you. I'm a Ryobi guy, not for any other reason than that was my first couple of tools and now I don't want to buy more batteries. Exactly. And and then you just buy more and you know you see a sale on a Ryobi battery and you're like, oh, I could use a few more of those, and then you're just way stuck in that ecosystem. Yeah. Shame. They they got us. Yeah. All right. Uh, Ooh, I like this one. Uh, Believe it or not, the Amish are loving electric bikes. This was a really cool story for me because I I really got to dig into Amish culture, something that I I didn't know that much about, which is funny because I went to high school just like a few miles from Lancaster, Pennsylvania, which is like the heart of Amish country. And I learned so much researching this story because as it turns out, there's no like one Amish doctrine that says, you know, this is what we believe. This is the technology we use, etc. Every Amish community makes that decision for themselves at their local church. And so when it comes to bicycles, whether electric or pedal bicycles, different Amish communities have different rules. And in fact, many Amish communities are now starting to adopt electric bicycles as a common form of transportation, replacing a lot of those horse and buggies. And that might sound strange at first if you're like, well, aren't Amish not supposed to use electricity? Which is exactly what I thought before I started learning about this. And as it turns out, there's not really anything wrong with electricity in and of itself. The Amish mindset, though, is that they don't want to be dependent upon outside communities. So, you know, they don't want to be dependent upon the local uh, power company because they're not part of the Amish community and they would be, you know, beholden to them for all of their energy needs. So the Amish do often use electricity, but they generally generate it themselves either with um, solar panels or with uh, gas generators. Solar panels are becoming the most common method though, because it's just so much easier. You put it up on a roof somewhere and it's always working. And so uh, you'll actually find in many Amish communities that use e-bikes, public e-bike charging stations, where basically there will be a bunch of solar panels set up and a bunch of 110 uh, volt outlets lined up where people can just roll up and charge their bikes. And you don't even have to lock them because like an Amish guy is not going to steal from another Amish guy. Like that goes against the whole, you know, rule book. So like crime is basically at zero. And it's kind of awesome because before you had a bunch of these, you know, horse and buggies and it took a lot of time, effort, you know, you got to like put all the tack on your horse and everything. But now it's like you hop on the bike and you just go and it's, it all fits within their like idea of staying within their community and not being dependent on outside sources. Yeah. You ever seen anything like this stuff? Yeah. So uh, I took my son to uh, Woodward skate camp, which is near a state college in Pennsylvania. And the way there we, we, you know, we passed lots of Amish and there were still horse and buggies. Um, But we saw uh, some on e-bikes and I remember pointing it out at the time saying, Hey, you know, the same thing that you said, like they're 
using electricity. They're cheating or maybe these are Mennonites or, you know, I don't know what the, you know, the, the stipulation is. So, you know, thank you for doing that research. That makes a lot of sense. Um, and also that's awesome. Like, uh, you know, they're kind of like living the world that I want to live in. Like maybe I need to go because I want to generate my own electricity. I want to ride an e-bike around, you know, everywhere. I don't want other people not riding e-bikes. So like, this is like the perfect thing. I just wonder like, is this going to kind of move its way up to, you know, electric carriages or, you know, electric cars? Are they going to be driving, you know, Chevy bolts? (laughs) And then the other thing is like, you know, looking at this um, e-bike charging station, like they're not making their own e-bikes. Like these are like Aventon, it looks like, or or something. I I was trying to identify right there, but um, so it's it's funny you mentioned that because apparently there are some Amish that make their own e-bikes. Um, you're right. I think that is an Aventon, and uh, they also that e-bike shop there, which is in fact owned by an Amish guy. By the way, I talked to him when I was you know learning all about this. And um, so they have some really nice bikes. They sell a lot of stromers there, but there really? are Amish that build their own. And uh, I really want to see those. I couldn't find any pictures of them. Um, pictures is another sort of like right. borderline issue in a lot of Amish uh, communities, which like, man, I went really deep into this. I learned a lot about that too. By the way, side note, a lot of Amish will not pose for pictures, but they don't mind a picture being taken when they're not posing because a big part of that rule isn't not to take pictures it's not to be vain and like you know um pose and think that you're you know better than someone else kind of thing so uh just a lot of interesting things here if you ever dig into that but uh yeah apparently there are amish made e-bikes that i'm keeping my eye out for interesting it's so interesting and i guess you know like obviously if e-bikes are legal then you know carriages electric carriages would be legal in in those places as well that's that's uh pretty cool and uh gotta say i'm a little jealous yeah at some point i want to go visit amish country and like go meet some of these people and like meet this uh, e-bike shop owner and try and find these amish made e-bikes because there's there's some really fascinating stuff in here when you dig into it yeah and and uh you know like kind of understanding their laws a little bit better makes a little bit of sense all right uh moving on uh, we hopefully won't see any Amish on this thing. The light motorcycle power put on a kick scooter. We try Zondu's Unreal Z O zero three. So this this is a review I did um, of a scooter. You know, we get a lot of pitches for scooters, um, and usually we're like, eh, like, what, how is this one different? Why is this one different? But recently, um, so there's kind of like a Chinese. Uh, scooter OEM that's putting out um, 5.6 kilowatt um, scooters. So that's 2.8 kilowatts on each wheel, which is insane. Um, 2.8 kilowatts, uh, you know, by comparison, if you think about an e-bike, that's about what three or four times the legal limit in the U S and 10 times, 10 times the legal limit in Europe. That's 20 European e-bikes in each right wheel each wheel it just it it kind of baffles the mind and of course like you can you know put that on the road and um i should probably just go right to the end of this one because that's when the fun part happens 
but basically, uh, you know, I'm not a small guy, uh, but you you twist the throttle on this thing and it just sucks you forward and you can beat cars off the line. Uh, you can beat, <laughs> I almost killed my dog there. Um, you can, uh, you know, you can go up the, the steepest of hills without even, you know, breaking a sweat. Um, but, you know, it's, this company is called Zondu. Um, I, I did a little research on them that they're, they've been around for a little bit. Um, they're, you know, they have other, uh, scooters that do, uh, you know, very similar things. So this thing is kind of crazy. Um, it's the specs are, it's, it's crazy. Like (laughs) no one should ever do this. You know, I put this together in my uh, living room and my wife, you know, just kind of minding her own business. Then I turned it on and all the lights came on and she was like, what that, you know, it's like a disco party happening in here. Um, and it's funny because not, not only are there RGB uh, lights going, but they, they're not synced. Like it's not green, red. It's like one side goes at like, you know, changes every one second and the other side changes every one and a half seconds. So it's like, it's, it's just, it's like just chaos. Um, but it, you know, that, that you want to get, you want to be seen. And this thing has lights everywhere. It's got two front headlights. If one of these went out, you would be fine. You can still see in front of you at night and people are going to see you coming obviously with all the, the disco party going. And then there's also turn signals on the front and back, which is also crazy uh, for, you know, a scooter like this uh, for, you know, scooter of any sort. Um, and then, you know, you have these like wheels that, you know, they don't seem like they would be great on the street. They, they, they turned out to be fine, but they're kind of made for off-roading. So you can hit a dirt road, uh, no problem at all. I was, you know, going through leaves and, and just basically anywhere. Uh, it's not a problem. It's also high off the ground. I think it's like about eight inches of, uh, ground clearance. Yeah. It looked like a lifted truck. Yeah. And it's got, you know, reasonably good suspension. Um, and so, you know, I, I was kind of curious, like, you know, you have something that's powerful, let's put a seat on it and maybe it, it operates like a, uh, you know, like a Vespa scooter because you're kind of sitting, you're putting your feet down, you know, you've got the handlebars, but you know, I have to say that's not the use case that you should go for here on one. I mean, maybe it is, but they need to do some more work in this, that regard. So, um, the, the, the seat also has suspension, but it also makes it very, um, I don't want to say flimsy, but it's just, it didn't inspire a lot of confidence. Um, let's go through here, see if I can find it. Yeah, it doesn't um, look like the most robust seat. No, and and it also could have been a little bit higher. Um, you know, you see when I'm riding it, I'm quite, uh, quite compact. Um, if it was a little bit higher, then, you know, I could have spread my legs out a little bit more and uh, maybe it would have been a more comfortable situation. But the pole was not very long. And, you know, it's it's like screwed into the, the platform. And that, that part is <clears throat> solid enough, but just not, it, w- it wasn't confidence inspiring. And, you know, this thing can go 50 miles per hour and it, and it really can. I think I probably got it up over 40 and there was plenty of room left. Um, and then, you know, I lifted both wheels off the ground and hit the throttle and it was instantly at 99 kilometers per hour. <laughs> so, you know, if you're going, you know, downhill and you're quite aerodynamic, you're going to be able to go as fast as humanly possible, probably. 
Wow. So who, like what kind of customer, what kind of rider would you say that this is designed for? Who's, who's using this? All right. So somebody, who, this is going to be somebody who uh, wants to accelerate um, out of the block pretty quickly. Um, you, you know, maybe you're on uh, regular streets and you want to kind of be riding with traffic. Um, so like if, if you're in a 30 mile per hour traffic zone, you could ride with traffic instead of riding, um, you know, having traffic have to go around you. Um, I rode this to um, my local coffee shop, um, which has a huge hill in between myself and the shop. No problem going up the hill. Um, you know, I don't think this is legal on any street anywhere in its current form, but um, they conveniently put a sticker on there. Let's see if we can find it. That says it top speed is 25 kilometers per hour, which is hilarious because like <laughs> you're, you're a half a twist of the throttle. Um, I probably can't see that, but um, you're like a half a twist of the throttle from 25 kilometers at any, any point in time ever. Um, so did see. you have like a, a story in your head for if you got pulled over, like how that would go? You know, I don't know what I was going to say. I, I just, <laughs> Like maybe I could just outrun the cops. <laughs> just like, I don't know. Uh, you could just go off road and and you know this thing goes over everything. Obviously, you can see here the uh, suspension uh, cover isn't super robust. Um, you know, there's some zip ties holding things together. Um, it, you know, it, it it felt very solid, especially the drivetrain, and I was super impressed with the brakes. Um, those are zoom, um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, hydraulics. And hydraulics. Yeah. On front and back. And they had some pretty good, I, I didn't measure them, but they have uh, pretty good brake pads as well. So stopping, uh, it felt very solid. Um, but you know, just accelerating, I don't know that people would be safe or comfortable going anywhere near the top speed of this thing. So the idea, I think, is like, all right, you know, you have some dirt roads in between you and your commute. You, you could get this thing. You have some steep hills. You want to ride with traffic, all those things. You have you have a police force that doesn't, uh, you know, mind, uh, mind <laughs> or enforce, you know, this, the street legalness of this. I mean, it's 5.6 kilowatts. That's very similar to a Surron, which... You know, it's a 45 mile per hour uh, electric dirt bike. And the battery is actually even bigger than the Suron battery. So for me, it was just, I don't know, it's kind of crazy. And and the all wheel drive part of it, like, I'm pretty sure I could beat a Suron off the line if, if you know, I stay on the bike. Um, and then that was the other thing. Like, you know, I, I don't think I ever just threw down the, the throttle. And when I did go full throttle up a hill, there was a point where I was like, I needed, I need to take off on the throttle and I was only on uh, level two, but there's three levels. So it's just more power than any it's, it's, it's for power users, right? It's if you want to have more power than you'll ever need, this is a great thing to to get. So, yeah, well, I can see that. Cause there's so many times where it's like, you know, I pegged the throttle on my e-bike and it's like, Oh, I wish I had a little bit more. So if right. you always know that you have, what you need. I mean, like my parents' minivan will do a hundred if you, you know, put the right. pedal to the metal, but no one needs to do that, nor do they. So, you know, you could do 35, 40 miles an hour on this all day. You don't need to go 50. 
Yeah. And the, the other thing is, um, I, I think this could have been designed a little bit better. Um, so this, the narrow neck here makes this a little flimsy up top. Um, I would have probably just made this a lot um, thicker um, and, you know, you can unfold the, uh, the uh, handlebars. You don't need to do that. Like leave, leave <laughs> the handlebars, make, make it one bar, make it solid. Um, because this is a real, like this thing can go really fast and you shouldn't be going on folding handlebars. Yeah, that motorcycles speed. don't have folding handlebars. <laughs> right. So build a motorcycle or whatever, you know, uh, and, and my gosh, why not? Why not just build a motorcycle with this platform? You could really, or, or like a Vespa scooter. Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I think this is a, a platform that is going to see a lot more innovation because this thing costs $1,500. Like it would not be hard to make this into a Vespa scooter. The The range is 60 miles plus. I mean, wow. you know, that's a crazy but, good price for what yeah. you're getting here. Yeah. And, you know, if this was a Vespa scooter and it's not hard to, you know, build a, a good chair on here and a better uh, handlebar set. If it was a Vespa scooter, it'd be great. It's got great suspension. It's super fast. It's a, uh, you know, lo long range off-road. It, it's, I think this is going to be something big because there's just so much here for a li little price and they're just kind of working on the, uh, the form factor and they need to get that, get that down and, and they'll be in great shape. Yeah, well, it's nice to see, you know, the bones are good, as they say, with little yep. refinement, this could be, you know, really a, a serious vehicle. Yep. And we'll keep keep an eye out for more of those. All right, uh, moving on. Uh, can Lightning's electric motorcycle really charge as fast as a gas tank fill up? So Lightning just announced that um, they've got a new sort of ultra fast charging technology in their batteries here. We often hear about DC fast charging, and generally you're talking about like uh, 30, 35 minutes to get most of the charge back into a typical motorcycle uh, battery. But with Lightning here, they're talking about a much, much faster charge, something like an 80% charge in about 10 minutes. To do that, they've teamed up with Innovate, and they use um, their fast charging battery technology. The thing is, uh, when we look at sort of the uh, data that they shared through a YouTube video, it doesn't quite add up to this 10 minute charging that they're talking about. It looks like it's closer to um, about a half charge in about 10 minutes, which is still much better than a half charge in 30 minutes, but it's not quite to where their, their claims seem to be. And then there's this other sort of overlying issue here, which is that Lightning, which is sort of a boutique motorcycle manufacturer, um, there's some question as to how many motorcycles they're actually producing and whether they've delivered any of these. And the issue is that it seems that their production is so low volume that I personally only know of one person who's received a Lightning motorcycle. If you go on YouTube or uh, like basically any social media platform and you search for these, you don't really see any owners sharing pictures unlike you know, like a Harley Davidson Livewire or Zero's motorcycles or Energica where like you just get, you know, like page after page after page of owners, you know, sharing videos and pictures of their bikes. So anytime I, I share something from Lightning, there's always, you know, a bunch of people that are like, oh, that's a scam company. I'm not sure that it's a scam company. In fact, I don't believe it is. 
but they have such low volume production that I wonder how big of an impact a partnership like this can be when they're just producing so few bikes. Now, if this technology was put into bikes from a company like, you know, Harley Davidson or zero that are probably doing, you know, a thousand electric motorcycles a year, then that could be something. It seems like we might be looking at single digit bikes a year from lightning. So excited to see this technology moving forward. Um, it's a shame that it doesn't seem to be quite as fast as they claim, but it's certainly faster than anything else we've seen. And so if they can make this work and they can get it onto production electric motorcycles and you can actually charge a motorcycle almost as fast as you can fill a gas tank, then that would basically remove the, the last sort of Achilles heel of electric motorcycles, which is their charging speed. Because once you get past charging speed, pretty much everything else is an advantage. You know, they're, they're more powerful. They're super energy dense. Uh, they're cleaner. They're more fun to ride. They're quieter, less maintenance. I mean, everything else is, you know, is a, a huge benefit. So uh, to be able to do an almost full charge in 10 minutes would be just, you know, crazy with compared to today's current technology. And I would, would love to see this happen. I'm just not sure how close we are to, to seeing this really becoming uh, an actual feature on production motorcycles. Yeah, and you know, motorcycles probably don't want to pull over uh, that often, um, but you know, a ten-minute charge is probably useful for a, a percentage of of people who want to do like uh, longer you know, cross-country rides. Yeah, and you got to stretch your legs, anyways, right? Right. Yeah, well, I could cool. see this being, um, you know, for touring that sort of thing. Like, I mean, for me, I don't want to go like more than two hours without getting off for at least ten or fifteen minutes, walking around kind of thing. So, if I could, you know, ride two hours and charge ten minutes, I mean, you're talking about like some real cannonball run type stuff there, right? I mean, one way that uh, companies like Audi were able to kind of juice their uh, their charging speed was like to make like only half their battery. Uh, usable so um it was a much bigger battery charging a lot faster i don't know if this is the case here but you know there's there's some tricks to to get a faster charge yeah i feel like that would be harder to pull off on a motorcycle right. because you don't have as much space to stuff all those extra cells right all right cool yeah. well well good to see um let's move on tarform unveils 50 mile per hour electric jet ski designed like a manta ray. So Tireform is, uh, they're another sort of boutique electric motorcycle manufacturer. They're based in Brooklyn, I believe. Um, and they started building, or they, they unveiled their Tireform Luna back in 2018 and started rolling it out in the past couple of years. But they've just unveiled a new electric vehicle. Uh, unlike their motorcycle, in fact, it is a no-wheeler. This jet ski follows the same sort of design. You can even see in the tank there that they, you know, these look like complementary products, or I guess the fake tank on an electric motorcycle. But, um, you know, this is a, obviously a totally different direction for an electric motorcycle company. Um, what's, you know, really interesting here is just how like sleek and futuristic this design is. And of course, it's not going to be a low power device either. When you have an electric motor, you can put a ton of power into a very small package. So we're talking about, you know, 50 mile an hour speeds, basically as fast as a $1,500 Chinese seated scooter. Um, if you compare it that way, uh, we're talking about super high power. Um, there are two different versions, but the higher power one is something like 120 horsepower. 
which it's hard to for me to even fathom what 120 horsepower feels like in a jet ski. Um, I know that uh, our editor-in-chief, Fred Lambert, did a um, test ride on Tyga's electric jet skis, which were quite powerful. But, you know, 120 horsepower is, I mean, that must just be wild on the surface of the water. I don't even know how you transfer that into, like, effective propulsion at that point. You must just, like, boil water behind you or something. Yeah, it seems like that would, I mean, for a vehicle that big, it seems like you would go right on top of the water. You wouldn't even you wouldn't even be touching the water at that speed. The ground effect. Yeah. <laughs> um, but there's a downside to this. And how much is this, does this thing cost? Oh, yeah. You're talking about almost $70,000, though that's if they actually produce it. So obviously, you know, this is still pre-production. So, you know, if someone gets to spend $70,000 on this, I would consider them lucky because we don't even know if this thing is going to make it to the light of day. Now, it's not one of these, you know, fly-by-night companies They've been around for the last five years and they already produce electric motorcycles. So it's, they at least have a leg up on some of these, you know, brand new startups, but this is a very new direction. So you're talking expensive vehicle and a company that doesn't seem to have experience with electric watercraft. So I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be in the first group of reservation holders. Let's put it that way. Right. Yeah. Or any group. (laughs) I guess this would be good for those that own yachts though. You, You have your, you know, $20 million yacht. $68,000 $68,000 jet ski is not going to throw you off. Yeah. That at, must be like the point. champagne bill for a right. know, yacht like that. A nice party. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, theoretically uh, if these are successful, uh, they'll come down in price and maybe uh, mortals will be able to afford them. Although 68,000, like, you know, half of that or a quarter of that, that's, that's almost palatable for, you know, high, high end, high speed, really well. I mean, people are obviously going to turn their head on this thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, it looks beautiful. Like it's, you know, I want like a paperweight model of it just to have right. on my desk. Yeah, yeah, it is super cool. All right, uh, moving on. We have, oh, I now this is a fun one. I test drove the only street legal electric microcar in the U.S. and it's wild. This was, I mean, this was very wild, which is strange for a, you know, three or four horsepower car to call it wild. But these are sort of tiny cars. Technically, they're not cars in the traditional sense. They are motor vehicles. Um, So, you know, they do need a license plate and such. But they're a class of motor vehicle that's referred to as a low speed vehicle or LSV. Um, Basically, it's the same idea as a neighborhood electric vehicle. It's just the the federal classification is LSV. So these are 25 mile per hour, small format uh, electric cars, though not cars. Um, you know, they're four seaters, they're four wheelers, obviously. And they've got all the like basic car like features you would expect, you know, like bucket seats, seat belts, air conditioning, heater, backup camera, windshield wiper, all that kind of stuff. Though they even have a few things that you're not going to find in traditional cars. Uh, a few of these models have solar panels on top. So you can actually get maybe like five, six miles of charge per day. These are meant for the city. So, you know, a lot of people are only driving five, six miles in a city each day. Um, and like I mentioned, they're 25 mile an hour vehicles. So um, these are not ultra fast. These are very much meant for, you know, neighborhoods, cities. I was driving in Manhattan and Brooklyn where, you know, I, I rarely got even to 20 miles an hour because of the traffic. I think um, the average speed of traffic in Manhattan 
has been quoted in different places at between four and seven miles per hour. So, yeah. you know, you're, you're not really like if you've got a more powerful vehicle, it doesn't really help you much because you're all doing like 12 miles an hour together in the same gridlock. So, you know, that's sort of the use case of these micro cars. It's places where traffic is already moving slower or, you know, maybe beach communities, island communities, that sort of thing. Or uh, the, the other place where I can see them being really popular is a retirement village, like, you know, the villages in Florida or uh, cities like Peachtree, Georgia, where golf carts are very common. And, you know, we often hear these compared to golf carts. A lot of people say like, oh, it's just like a, you know, golf cart with doors. To me, it's so much more than that. I mean, inside, it really feels like a car. Like, you know, when you buckle in and adjust your mirror and, you know, turn on the air conditioning, like nothing in that feels like you're getting into a golf cart driving across the green. This felt like, you know, a, a, a real tiny car. And, and that's sort of the point. And, you know, when you compare the pricing to golf carts, these are somewhere between nine to $12,000. That's basically the price of a golf cart. A lot of them start around 8,000 bucks. And you can find golf carts that go up to like 15,000 bucks. So, I mean, this is golf cart price, but you get a lot more than that. I would say the, the biggest downside is just safety in that, you know, these don't conform to um, the normal federal standards for cars because they're in a different category. There are some safety standards, you know, they have to have DOT compliant, um, you know, seat belts, uh, auto safety glass. Um, there's some braking requirements, lighting requirements, that sort of thing, but don't think that you're, you know, getting crumple zones and airbags because you're, you're absolutely not getting those here. Um, and in that way it is, you know, perhaps a little closer to a golf cart in that sense. Yeah. I mean, the safety is like the thing that, um, stuck out to me seeing you drive, uh, between like a, a cab and a bus in this thing gave me the willies. Um, it does look cool. I mean, it's, you know, similar in size to like a smart car almost. Um, although the smart car will probably be a little bit safer. Um, this is four door, which is comic kind of comic <laughs> to me, but, um, yeah, it's cool that they're riding around town. Now, so charging, um, does this have a removable battery or do you plug into a normal outlet or what's the charging situation? Yeah. So unfortunately it's not removable. Um, I was talking to the company and they would love to do removable. They're looking at different options, but it's, it's a bit more complicated, especially when you get, you know, like a, a 60 or 80 pound battery sort of thing. Yeah. So um, there are a couple models here. The uh, lower cost model has like a sort of an e-bike charger, basically, you know, like a brick you plug into the wall. Mm -hmm. The nicer one here, this blue one that I'm currently driving across the Brooklyn Bridge, which was wild. Um, this one has a built-in charger. And so you just need an extension cord and there's a little adapter that you plug into and it just charges like that. So you don't even need to bring charger with you but for both of them you do need access to a typical you know 120 volt ac outlet like mm -hmm. um, you'd find in a garage or or elsewhere and does it do 240 that can you i mean i guess it could be an adapter to an, a level two charger or it's a good question so they both have sort of a, an ac inverter um mm -hmm. i don't remember checking the you know like the label to see if it could accept 240 a lot of those chargers can like if you look at uh, electric bike chargers a lot of them will say you know input 110 to 240 yeah so there's there's a decent chance that these would accept uh 220 and and what about so you know say you're not in new york city and you want to get one of these for your your local city or suburb what, what's the process there yeah so they um apparently ship them all over the country they've got uh inventory there i was at their warehouse and so they've got um you know a pile of uh of these wink vehicles there and 
if someone buys them in you know like seattle or something they basically put it on a truck the way you deliver like a motorcycle and it just gets sent out to you know wherever wherever you are that's pretty cool and these are built in china i'm assuming yeah, so these, um, they've got a uh, manufacturing partner in China. Um, and so a lot of these parts are actually like pre-existing, you know, like they didn't create the body panels um, or the wheels and that kind of stuff. But they spent like a year, a year and a half, basically redoing all of the components that make them street legal. So, you know, things like the the backup camera, there's even a pedestrian noisemaker that they had to design in that like varies the pitch based on the speed. It's super annoying. And if this was mine, I would 100% cut the wire to wherever the speaker is oh, because wow. it is just like, it's super annoying. Otherwise, this would be a silent car, but you got this like constant like, I feel like to... even if you hit somebody going like 20 miles per hour, it wouldn't be that bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. They just bounce off and it's so right. low, you just take them out of the knees. Yeah. It would be kind of like tripping or I don't know. <laughs> anyway, uh, so these are really cool. I, uh, I hope to see a lot more of these around um, yeah, i'm excited by this cool so let's jump into the comments here um if you guys have any questions or comments uh add them right now to the end of our queue here and we'll try to get to it by the end of the show um carl in san diego the federal tax credit is refundable too which means you, you don't have to have a federal tax burden to get it um so i guess that means you just get the money even if you don't pay any taxes yeah, it's wonderful because those are the people that probably need it the most. Exactly. Um, yeah, and th we don't talk about that a lot. Um, we talk about it as a replacement for cars, but some people don't have cars. Like, you know, you're you're early, uh, you know, right out of college or right out of high school and you don't have a uh, full-time job yet. Um, having some mobility is a big, th big deal. Absolutely. Um, Ethan Swanson, maybe call your representative if you have a Republican representative. Uh, yeah. Hundred percent. Uh, I mean, you got to do something, right? Um, Carl in San Diego is back. We can push for this in the street, folks. It's wrong that we have seventy five hundred dollars for cars, but no incentives for bikes. I agree. Uh, and then a KLR six fifty motorcycle for that price. I don't know. That's probably the $1,000 limit on the tax incentive. Oh, yeah. Um, Ray Livingood, I'm using Greenworks 80 volt for my e-bike conversion, Fido L2. I also have a 72 volt, 15 amp hour Samsung pack built. The Greenworks packs only come in four to five amp inch size. I purchased a battery balancer blender. That's an interesting project. Um, yeah, it's a tiny bike too. It's like 12 inch wheels if I am not mistaken. Maybe it's 16 yeah, inch. That, yeah, pretty at, small. And so, 72 volts on that thing. That's probably pretty interesting. Yeah. And I guess we have the Fido uh, fam. Uh, everybody's got their Fidos. Huh? Uh, Carl in San Diego, I like this idea of battery standardization being really critical for our micro mobility future. I share a battery between two diff very different bikes. It's kind of BS that we can't standardize. Yeah, it's not just tools. It's bikes. It's everything. I mean, if, if Micah and I had time and money and uh, a penchant for risk, I think we could probably go into the battery business. And uh, so maybe one day we'll have all three of those things. And a good uh, insurer. Yeah. Uh, I built my own bamboo e-cargo bike. This is how we get to local building. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah. Carl sent pictures. Uh, legal limit make no sense anyway. Eleven thousand watts is the same as a 
125 cc i don't know if that conversion is right i think maybe closer to a tenth of that well i mean that'd be what like 14 horsepower something like that i could see it is is 125 cc is 14 horsepower i mean that's the engine capacity i mean you can get like 60 mile an hour 125 cc scooters oh really i uh i uh when i was younger i tried to get a honda cbr 125 and it was an off-road bike i don't know what it didn't go that fast but maybe it was also garbage all right another fido i guess fido fam watches Uh, what was the price on the scooter so uh ken i think you're talking about the uh, 5.6 kilowatt there um the price was around fifteen thousand forty nine on amazon which is yeah fifteen hundred sorry um and that's linked on the story um it kind of bounces around and you know just uh they uh, zanju sent me one you should buy theirs but if you go on amazon and you do a search for 5.6 kilowatt scooter somehow there's like 600 different ones and they vary in price from uh you know around a thousand twelve hundred up into the 2200 2800 type range so you know but we, we can't vouch conclusion. for those others though right <laughs> right so uh all right we're having uh fido convo here uh moving on anyone familiar with the xpd e-bike program are you familiar with that no i'm not familiar gotta yeah. look that one up later all right any firm timeline on the actual start of the low income uh california pos discounts for e-bikes i'm Assuming that point of sale yeah. follow up, how how might the regulators verify that a cargo bike is a cargo bike, i.e., higher discount voucher? So that's supposed to start this year at some point. Um, there's they have not projected a date for it. It's kind of a like everyone just wait around. We'll let you know. Um, in terms of the cargo bike distinguisher, that's a good question, and I'm not sure if specific bikes have to be registered to be. Um, you know, uh, um, applicable to the uh, credit or not. But if so, then that would be the way to do it, that each bike is already in the system and it says, you know, which level of, of credit this one's good for. Uh, okay, moving on. Electro TV, Micah's rebate prediction is very likely to move forward this year. What was my prediction? Uh, I think your prediction. Well, I think our prediction was that it's not going to move forward this year. So, oh, okay. Uh, we'll We'll see. Them's fighting words. All right. Yeah. Uh, nothing special about that scooty. All right. Well, get on one and 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 make <laughs> sure that that's your opinion. Uh, the squeaking and pulsating killed me. Uh, all right. We're still talking about the Fido's here. Weight is a huge factor. Power to weight ratio of ETWW and Ryan scooters set the standard for portability possibilities. Say that fast. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I had I... A, uh, an eat, eat twow. I don't know how you pronounce that once. So, and yeah, it was like, you know, it weighed nothing about like 25 miles an hour. So in terms of like power for weight, that was a pretty good one. Uh, Selena Chen from LinkedIn is asking, will chips used in new energy vehicles still be in short supply in 2023? It almost sounds like a marketing just... lead in. Yes. Well, if you think that's the problem, uh, I think that supply chain issues are kind of alleviating uh so hopefully 
that uh, that's no longer a problem by the end of 2023. All right, Danny Lambert, since the Zondu all-terrain is relatively new, uh, should I hold off on buying one until they go into the next generation? Um, I wouldn't let that uh, be a concern. I don't know necessarily if the next generation is going to be uh, better in the right ways. Um, I would just take into cons- consideration, you know, some of the downsides. Like I probably would uh, recommend getting a new seat if you're going to be sitting down on it. Um, I would probably recommend kind of reinforcing, maybe even upgrading the uh, the, the handlebars. But um, and then you know maybe you know look around for some aftermarket or other 5.6 kilowatt um, options. The the drivetrain is solid. The brakes are great. Um, it's got good bones. I would just say, you know, some of the optional stuff is, uh, you know, questionable. So, uh, I don't know. What do you, what do you think, Mike? Should he wait? Yeah. I mean, generations from some of these, uh, Asian suppliers, there's like a relative term. I feel like the scooters just sort of slowly get upgraded over time. So I'm kind of, you know, live in the moment guy, but, um, it's certainly good to shop around and, you know, like Seth said, like check out the Zondu, but there are several similar scooters out there that you can sort of compare different uh, bits and pieces. Maybe one doesn't have folding handlebars or one has a better seat kind of thing. Exactly. All right. That's all for the questions. Awesome. So thank you guys, everyone for tuning in and make sure you come back two weeks from now where we'll be back with the next episode of the wheelie podcast. Take care and see you next time, everyone.